listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. So I, I walk in this morning and like one of the first people I see is Kevin Pringle. And I thought, oh my goodness, something must be wrong. I must not really be speaking today. And then I thought, phew, I'm not speaking today. But that's not the case. So, oh, well, you're stuck with me. But. So maybe uh, this is a sign of my inner depravity. But this week I learned a fact, did doing some research. I actually looked this up. I was curious about it. And I thought I would share it with you today. There, are, uh, there were 20,000 emergency room visits last year in the United States due to Christmas decorations. So most of those, I'm assuming, were from like hanging Christmas lights, right? 20,000 of them. It's a little bit scary, but somehow lights are part of this imagery that we have for Christmas. So in the sort of the category of you'll do anything you need to do to be prepared uh, to come in and speak. Last night I said to my wife, honey, I need your help in preparing for this sermon. Will you drive me around and we're going to take some pictures of Christmas lights in the city of Redlands. So it's sort of interesting. You know, I get to the first one. I'm like, I got I to get out of the car. I got to walk across the street. This is embarrassing. I'm like taking a picture from across the street. By about the fourth house, I think the person came outside, the guy who owned it. I felt like he was chasing us away. So James has some pictures he's going to show, but they're like blurry pictures of lights. One of them I took out of the sunroof of our car. But you get a little bit of the idea, right? Those Christmas lights are something beautiful that we have that we, we love about Christmas. And you just keep sliding through those, uh, James. This is one, I think, very blurry. I think I was up in the uh, sunroof of our car for this one. Uh, one more here. Yes, this one. Then this guy came out and chased me. It was really awkward. And then finally, I found one on the internet, just so you know what sort of a beautiful Christmas light display is like, right? So there's something about light at Christmas time. And when you think back to the Christmas story, you recognize a little bit of the reason for that, right? The, uh, the angels appearing to the shepherds in, in this bright, blinding light. The uh, fact that the wise men follow the light of a star to know where to go to find the baby Jesus. So light truly is part of our imagery of Christmas. And today we're going to be looking at this whole idea of Jesus Christ, light of the world. We're going to read uh, together uh, John chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. John uh, 1, verses 4 to 9. It says there, In him was life. And I, I should explain, I'll be reading from the New American Standard Version today. We don't typically do that here. Uh, but New American Standard, like the ESV, the English Standard Version, which we typically read from, uh, both are word-for-word translations and do a very good job of helping bring Scripture alive to us. But beginning again, verse 4 uh, first of John 1, uh, verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. So if you're 
here today, you're, this is week two of a sermon series that we're doing on the book of John. And this is really a, a different approach for us as a church. Oftentimes we take a topic and we look at it from a lot of different perspectives through a lot of different scripture. And in this series, we're going to be digging deep into God's word and letting that scripture speak to us uh, directly uh, and, and our hope as a, a teaching team from us is that you come to understand and come to recognize and see the person of Christ as our source for joy, for peace, uh, for satisfaction. And today we, we hope to do that by understanding Jesus Christ as the light of the world. What I want to do is I'm going to break down each of the verses in this passage, understand it more deeply, and then conclude today by just looking at six characteristics of light that can, we can see and learn more about Christ through understanding those, those uh, pieces of the nature of light. Let's begin just by looking at verse 4. It says in there, in him was life. It begins with this phrase, in him was life. And that harks back to the first verse in John 1, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. As Americans, when we see that word was, and we understand that verb tense, we think about something that's in the past. And that's not the way that it was understood in the original language there. The word was there was this idea that it was like that always into the past, and it will be like that always going into the future as well. It's this idea that there ever is life in the Word, It's always part of who he is. The idea that he is without beginning or an ending, that he's eternal. And it goes on and says, and the life was the light of men. And it's this idea that because he is life, he is a source of all life as well. And we can see that, we understand that fairly easily when it comes to understanding our physical life, right? He was the source, he's the creator of man um, but it more, is more than that. It's also our spiritual life. God has given us as human beings physical life, but he's also provided the source for spiritual life as well through Jesus Christ, the light of the world. We as human beings have this unique capacity to reflect that light, that uh, the reflect Christ. And we also have this ability to be indwelt or filled with that light that is the light of Christ. Light and life share essential properties. Without light, there is no life. Verse 5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. If you're actually reading from the NIV or the ESV, you might have seen that they use the word uh, that says that the darkness did not overcome it. And... um, Whereas the New American Standard had the the darkness did not comprehend it. It was interesting as I did some research on this. I I think that the word understand or comprehend is a better uh, translation. Verse 5 actually mirrors what's seen in verse 11. And when you look at verse 11, it's this idea of how the Jewish people responded to the presence of Christ. It wasn't that they were overcome. It's that they didn't understand him for who he really was. When we take and apply that same thing to verse 5, we have a better sense of what it means to, uh, that the translation comprehend or understand uh, uh, fits better. So what the verse then is saying is specifically talking about a function of Christ. To shine in the darkness. To reveal the ways of darkness. To show people the right way. To reveal what is wrong with the darkness, its evilness, its eventual fate. So that's what the role of Christ is. Yet the verse points to a tough reality. The darkness does not comprehend it, does not understand it. 
how do we understand that? One is just even the direct piece of that, right? What's it saying directly is that they did not, the, the Jewish people that were in that world when Jesus Christ was there didn't understand who he was. They didn't recognize him as the Christ, as the Messiah, the one sent from God to be the savior of the world. We actually see this, uh, John six forty two, 42, um, where they uh, are talking and they're saying, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? Isn't this Jesus, the son of the carpenter? So they, they don't recognize him as the Christ. He is just, just a human being to them. And then later on, uh, when Jesus is on trial, uh, right before his crucifixion, uh, what happens there is interesting because what's he, what he's eventually convicted of, what the Jewish people want him put to death for, is for, the, uh, for blasphemy. So he claims to be God, and therefore they're going to kill him. Well, yes, he claims to be God because he is God. And uh, that's the, their failure to recognize him for who he was. So the darkness did not comprehend it. The darkness did not understand who he was. But that wasn't just true of the people of Jesus' time period. It continues to be true for us today as well, right? So many of you have heard that expression, well, yes, Jesus, he was a good teacher. Right? It's almost like this idea that uh, categorizes them sort of as this abstractly decent individual whose life makes no real difference in this world. Whose message, uh, it can be sort of, taken or, or left, that we, we don't really have to deal with it. We can agree with it or disagree with it, and it doesn't really matter. That's not true of, the, of Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah. But there's even a further meaning of this idea of not the darkness, not understanding or comprehending the light, right? The darkness does not recognize the light because it doesn't want to recognize the light. Light reveals but only when we are looking, when we are seeing, when our eyes are open, when we want to see. Through light, we see things for the way they really are. Uh, but we, we can be looking without comprehending or understanding what we are seeing. Let's go into verse 6. It says, There came a man sent from God whose name was John. So this verse is specifically referring to a person that we've come to know as John the Baptist. And uh, in the Gospel of Luke, we actually find out a lot more about him. We find out in that uh, Gospel that uh, he's related to Jesus. Uh, he and Jesus may have been second cousins and that their moms may have been cousins. And uh, he, was a, he was a sort of a miracle birth. His parents had not been able to have children. Uh, they were advanced in years. It seemed like impossible that they would ever have a child. And then they were able to have John. In both the Gospel of, of Luke and of Mark, we actually find more about uh, what his purpose was, what he did with his life, what his ministry was. And we understand his function. He was a messenger chosen by God to go before uh, Christ. And uh, it, uh, prophet Isaiah describes it as he's the, uh, uh, he was, went to pave the way of the Lord um, before Christ came. So what we see in John here, though, is sort of a different way of describing who John was and what he did. It's a literary approach to it, almost a non-narrative way of saying the same thing about John. It goes on in verse 7, it says, He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. 
Interestingly, in verse 7, the Greek does not have an article. It doesn't have an A in front of the word witness. So a better rendering of it is to say he came as witness, which I think does a better job of capturing what his purpose was, what he was all about. He had one purpose, and that was to talk about the light with the goal, with the hope that all would come and believe. And we can see in other passages that talk about John that he was a powerful speaker. People's lives were changed through what he was saying and sharing. Uh, but he, throughout that, he understood what his role and what his purpose was. And uh, we see that in Luke chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. It says there, Now while the people were in a state of expectation and all were wondering in their hearts about John as to whether he was the Christ... John answered and said to them all, As for me, I baptize you with water, but one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Amen. I thought about this as, as I was thinking about preparing this message, that um, how amazing. I mean, here's this heady experience. Everywhere John goes and speaks, People are transformed. Their lives are changed. And what do we do when we're in a similar situation? Our tendency is that at those moments where we're doing the most for the Lord, where people's lives are getting changed because of what we're doing, our tendency is to take the glory on ourselves, to, be, to not be reflective of the light, but to be like, yeah, I'm doing a great job for the Lord. And what's John, who has done probably so much more than any of us do? He says, I'm not fit to untie his sandals. And my whole purpose is just to be a messenger to prepare people for the coming of the Messiah. So my challenge to you today is to be more like John. It goes on in verse 9. It says, uh, there was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. There's just three things in that verse that I want to really draw our attention to. First is this little expression, true light. That's referring to Jesus Christ as telling us he's the light that can be trusted. So if you think back 100, 150 years ago, when a ship would come into a harbor, it would look for the light of a lighthouse. And sometimes perhaps it would not find the light of the lighthouse. It would see another light that was on the hill in some kind of a way and would mistake that for the lighthouse. And it would catch up on the, uh, a sandbar and be destroyed by the waves. And, and, and the kind of light that's the light that Jesus is, is like the true lighthouse, the light, the light that can be trusted. And um, the reality is, as Jesus is the light of the world, he is a light that can be trusted. And it goes on and says, uh, which coming into the world, this little expression coming into the, the world, was actually found other places in scripture and was a, a term that uh, was used relatively commonly in that time period. And all it is is a reflection of the humanity of Christ. It's this sense of meaning he was born. He came into this world like all of us do. And it's a reflection of the humanity of Christ. Then it goes on and says that he enlightens every man. You know, the reality is, is that Jesus uh, is by ethnicity Jewish, came into a uh, Jewish family who practiced the Jewish religion. And yet this verse is telling us that his purpose, the reason that he's there, his being was to enlighten every man. That's a great reality for us. It's probably everybody in this congregation or most of us is a Gentile, a non-Jewish individual. And yet the light of the world comes not just to the Jews, but to us as well, to us who are Gentiles. 
So as I was thinking and preparing this for this message, I started to like geek out about physics a little bit, and um, and I got thinking about the nature of light and how from this passage we come to understand certain things about Jesus Christ as the light of the world. And I, I thought about some of the characteristics and, and nature of light and wanted to draw on some of those today to help d- develop a greater understanding of Jesus Christ as the light of the world. So I have six of these I want to share with you today as we wrap up this message. One is that light acts as both a wave and a particle. Some of you, your eyes just blurred over because you, you hated physics in school. But light acts as both a wave and a particle. So there was this great debate probably about 100 years ago in science because when scientists were looking at light, they could see how it was, you know, it's a wave. And then there were other scientists who looked at light and said, no, I can see it as, as these packets of energy. And this great debate ensued of trying to understand it. And I think Einstein was actually one of the people who really brought it together. And the reality of the matter is that we've decided that light is both. It's 100%, uh, it can seem like it's 100% one way and a, or 100% the other, but in reality, light has both of these characteristics. And the reality is Jesus Christ, uh, particularly in his coming to earth, is similar. There was this question, is he God or is he man? And the answer to both is yes. He's 100% both. Uh, but we can look at it and see each. There's aspects of who we are when we look at it and say, yes, look at the humanity of Christ. And then other aspects we can look at and say, yes, I recognize that he is God. Second point about light. Nothing travels faster than light. So then light is the closest thing we have in the universe to something being omnipresent. And effectively, from a human perspective, unending. Light that started its journey from a star long before you were born will still be traveling long after you're dead. And there's this continuity and eternity in light that is reflective of what exists in Christ. He is present everywhere. He existed from the beginning of time and he will exist long after we are gone from this earth. Three... Light can be absorbed or reflected, and what happens, whether it's absorbed or reflected, depends on the nature of the object that receives it. So when light is absorbed, it changes the nature of the object it indwells. Light is energy, and that energy has to do something when, it, the, uh, when an object absorbs it. So think about this. When you are and the sun's beating down on the pavement, what happens? The pavement gets hot. That's the response to what happens when that pavement absorbs the light of the sun. Or what happens with plants, right? Plants grow when they absorb the light of the sun through the process of photosynthesis. And the same kind of thing happens with Christ as well. When he changes us from the inside out as we are indwelt by him. So when we recognize our need for a savior, when we accept his work on the cross as the payment for the punishment we deserve for our sin, the Holy Spirit comes and resides in us and it begins to change us to fundamentally alter who we are from the inside out. We grow and we change as we welcome him into our lives. But it's not just substances that absorb light. There are substances that reflect light as well, right? The moon has no light of its own, yet it shines in the sky because it reflects the light of the sun. 
And again, we can be like that as well as believers, as followers of God. We can reflect Christ. The world sees Christ in us through the things that we do, how we exhibit him in the world around us. Number four, light reveals. Um, I was thinking about this, is that I'm at that point in life, and some of you are at the same place where, you know, if the text is really tiny, you got to hold it up to the light in order to be able to see it. I was dealing with a situation this last week at school, or maybe a couple weeks ago now, and a kid had had his AirPods stolen, and uh, I managed to find on the security camera who the kid I thought was had done it, had done it, took back the, you know, the AirPods. But then I have to find out, are these really the kid who had lost them's AirPods? Well, I did some research and then inside the cover of the airport pod, there's a little uh, case, there's a little serial number. Seriously, I opened up that little AirPod case and I couldn't even read the, I didn't know there was anything there, period. So I had to get a light and and I could tell then that there was something there and then I had to borrow my wife's readers and then I could actually read that there were uh, numbers there in that spot. But there is something about light, right, that reveals and helps us see things uh, that are really there. And it's, it's really the same way with Christ. His holiness, his wisdom we gain from seeing the world from his perspective, the opportunity to answer the question, what would Jesus do, are all ways that Jesus, as light, reveals things to us. He helps us to see things clearly, to understand things for the way they really are. We recognize evil. We can identify the good because of Christ as the light. Then number five, light is used to guide along a path, right? That's the whole purpose of streetlights. Uh, any of you that have come to our, our new house, if you parked, parked on Palm, that was my main accent, if you parked on Palm and have walked up through our walkway up to our front door, there's like no light out there. And it is so hard to see. It's so easy to trip and fall or to fall off that path. It twists, has steps in it. It's very hard to know where you're going uh, because of the lack of light. But when there is light, there, it's safe. It's easy. It's easy to follow and stay on the right path. And it's the same way with Christ. Christ is the light on our path. Spiritually, you will stumble through life without Jesus as your light. He recognized this about himself in John twelve thirty-five and 36. You're going to bring that verse up here. Hopefully. Um, In this passage, he uh, describes himself as the light and that without that light, that people would stumble, that they would not. um, And we'll just move on. That's okay. We don't need it. We're good. (laughs) Number six, light is energy. Light comes in the form of photons, which there will be a test on this later. Uh, Light comes in the form of photons, which are essentially packets of energy. There's a law in physics that says that in any reaction, energy is neither gained nor lost. It's called the law of the conservation of energy. And let's think about applying this to Christ as well. In Revelation 21, 23, there's a uh, uh, account of what happens in the New Jerusalem. So after the end of the world, after those that are followers of Christ are caught up and captured with him and we go through a, a time period where, where Christ is ruling, he establishes a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. And it just says in that passage that there will be no sun in that world, world because 
uh, the light, all the light that's needed will come from the Lamb who is Christ. He's the source of all light in the new Jerusalem. Amen. And you, that's, that's the end of time, right? The eternity uh, that we often talk about. And then we look back at the, the other end, the beginning. Genesis 1-3, the account of creation. It says there, uh, God says, let there be light. He was the source of light. From the beginning of the world to the very end of time, he was a source of light. And when we think about the law of conservation of energy, this begins to make sense, right? Um, all the energy that existed ever in the beginning of time was there in Christ. He was the light of the world. All the light that was needed is neither gain nor loss through anything we do as human beings. And it's there at the end of time into all eternity as well. So the, the promise from that, the picture that we have of that is that Christ is right in John eight twelve when he says, I am the light of the world. Hallelujah. So my challenge for you guys as you think about this today, when you think about this picture of the light, is what are you going to do about Jesus Christ, the light of the world? And, and maybe you're here today and you're not a follower of God. You're you know, not a Christian uh, haven't accepted Christ as Savior, don't understand what those terms are, but you've thought about the fact that as you think about Christ as light, it points to the areas in your life where things are not the way that you want them to be. Where you recognize some of the bad things that you've done, uh, those things that separate you from God, and, and the light just shines on those things and you're struck by your own brokenness, by the fact that you're missing this part of who you want to be in your relationship with God. If that's who you are today, I want this to be the day that you would accept Christ, that you would recognize him and say, God, I want to be restored in my relationship with you. I know you made me to be in relationship with you. I want Christ as the light of the world to restore me to fellowship with you. And then maybe you're here today and you are a believer. You are a follower of God. How does this concept of Christ as the light of the world challenge you in some kind of way? I was thinking about this, and the reality is the question, um, are you, uh, have you been absorbed? Uh, are you allowing Christ as light to change you from the outside or from the inside out? Have you absorbed that light? Are you reflecting who Christ is in everything you do? Let's pray. God, we, we love you and we're so grateful to you that you are uh, and have given us Christ, the light of the world. And through that light, we recognize our lostness, our brokenness, our desperate need for, for you uh, as our Savior. We recognize truths and understanding about the world around us. Recognize the world for the way the world really is. Recognize that which is wrong and evil, Lord, uh, through you as light. Lord, we're grateful to this to you for helping us understand this principle of light that, that all objects ab absorb it or reflect it, Lord. And when we ab absorb, take in who you are, you change us from the inside out. And Lord, our, our desire, our hope is that in Redlands and around the world, Lord, that we would be reflections of you, that our lives would be used to make a difference in this world, that people would see Christ through us. Lord, I just would ask that today would be a day that would, people would take seriously your word. The fact that you are the light of the world. 
And God, now as our ushers come forward, we'd ask that uh, in our tithes and offerings this morning, in, the, in our giving back to you, some of what you've given to us, that you would take them, that you would multiply them, that you would use them to uh, further your kingdom, that you would allow us through them to reflect you as the light of the world in this community around us. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.